Well, we are in Genesis chapter 4. We are looking at Adam's family. Last week we looked at uh, Cain and uh, Abel, the contrasting brothers. Abel was a man of faith, and uh, Cain, Cain's heart was full of evil. And the Bible describes Cain as evil. The New Testament can, uh, uh, describes Cain as evil. And uh, he's kind of a prototype of those who reject God. Um, but uh, this morning, we're going to uh, look at, um, we're going to continue to look at God's grace. You know, in spite of um, a world that rejects God, forsakes him, God is constantly pouring out his grace towards us. He pours out his common grace towards all people, all mankind, and this morning we are experiencing God's common grace in the in the outdoors, uh, the beauty of his his creation. That's a that's available to all, and we're going to see more of that here in the passage of scripture this morning, but uh even in spite of the fact that Cain uh, walked away from God, God continued to bless the, the, the line of Cain. Okay, why do we have a Cain? Is someone watching their iPhone <laughs> and it's picking up uh, let me uh, turn this Bluetooth off. My daughter? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Believe me, I don't want to listen to myself twice at the same time. I don't care, whatever you have to do. All right. So we're going to look at Cain, the descendants of Cain, and there's one descendant in particular who's um, so rebellious towards God that he is going to alter the institution of marriage and uh, further disdain, show his disdain for, towards life by murdering someone. And, uh, but in spite of that, there are some other family members in Cain's lineage of his descendants who do incredible things for culture, for society. And, uh, and we see that even today. Those who, who don't believe in God, God is still amazingly working through their life to provide, uh, blessings to all of humanity and this is God's grace and so if you have your Bibles I want us to read verses uh, 16 through 24 to begin with and here we go again there's my voice okay <laughs> thank you begin with verse 16 then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord 
and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And when he had built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, or Irad. And Irad fathered Mahujael. I'm going to need Craig up here to pronounce these names. And Mahujael fathered Methushiel. And Methushiel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Adah or Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. And Ada bored Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. And Zillah also bore Tabal King. He was the forger of instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventyfold. And so here we see Cain's family. Uh, verse 17, Bible says he, he um, uh, gives birth, his wife gives birth to Enoch. This is not the same Enoch that we're most familiar with in the Bible where he walked with God. This is, uh, that Enoch is in Seth's line, and we're going to see that next week in chapter 5. Uh, Enoch was a, a very popular name in uh, the Old Testament, and so uh, it was frequently used. So, But this was Cain's first uh, son. And then in verse 17b, the Bible says that uh, uh, Cain began to build a city. And uh, he turned that city over to his, his son Enoch, and he named that city uh, Enoch. Typically, when uh, people would uh, build cities, create cities, they would name it after themselves. And uh, what type of city this was? We're, it's not a city, you know, if you're thinking in terms of L.A. You know, it's not that large. Uh, and what would be... What would qualify as a city or what was a city in the Old Testament was a wall that would be built around that, um, that society or those people that uh, were creating that community. And so here we see this, uh, this walled um, city, described as a city, um, and Cain names it after his son Enoch. And then we see the, the lineage of Enoch continue uh, all the way up to Lamech in verse um, 18. Now, I want you to notice about Cain's family. They're highly intelligent. They have language. When God created 
Adam and Eve, he created them mature. He created them with the, the ability, with, with knowledge, with language, with skill, the, the ability to do things. Adam named all the animals that God created. And so this is what we see in Cain's family as well. Uh, they're tremendous managers in subduing the earth. But there's one thing missing in Cain's lineage. It's minus God. They are all a reflection of Cain's life. And so this society, these people um, represent secular society. And again, in this secular society, tremendous good things are happening that God is working in and through. That's his, again, his common grace available to all people. But again, this is a secular society. And then we see in the life of Lamech in verses 19 through 24, uh, where polygamy is uh, first uh, identified or, or takes place for the first time in the Bible. Um, Lamech takes two wives. And in taking two wives, he dramatically alters the institution of marriage for millenniums to follow. And I want you to know, church, that this was never God's design in the very beginning. God allowed it for reasons that uh, I'm not going to go into today, but this was not God's ultimate will. This was not his desire. He desired monogamy between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Polygamy is not a picture of the gospel. The marriage relationship between a man and a woman, that is uh, reflective of the gospel where a man uh, sacrificially loves, lays down his wife for his wife. That's, what did I just say? Wife. Uh, for his wife. Uh, Christ laid down his life for the church. And just as Christ loves the church, husbands, we are to love our wives. This is the picture of the marriage relationship. This is a picture of the gospel. And this is what God's design for the marriage relationship was to be about. Galatians chapter 2, verse 24, God spoke very clearly when he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is where God instituted marriage. And here Lamech is, 
And uh, he is in rebellion towards God. And the Bible says that he chose two wives. Polygamy creates family chaos. And we see throughout the Old Testament, Old Testament saints having multiple wives. And it created nothing but heartache. We see the life of David, King David, multiple wives. And uh, his family, his family was chaotic. We see this in in Jacob. We see this in uh, Abraham. Abraham took on a wife other than Sarah. And uh, as a result of not believing God and being faithful to his wife alone, he takes on Hagar as his wife, as a son, Ishmael. And we have been suffering the consequences in this world ever since. The descendants of Ishmael represent the, the, the Muslim people. And so here... This is not what God intended for a man and woman. And through polygamy, it creates family chaos. And God wants his people to avoid that kind of lifestyle. Also, when it comes to church leadership in the New Testament, uh, if you were going to be an elder or a deacon in the church, uh, you are expected to be the husband of one wife. Uh, there, the idea of polygamy, and polygamy was in the New Testament church, but as a leader, that was not reflective of God's design for marriage. And if you were going to be a spiritual leader in that church, you needed to be the husband of one woman, the <clears throat> of one wife. So, here we have Lamech's family. Uh, we see Cain's family. And uh, they have tremendous ability. Here we see in chapter or verse 20 of chapter 4, we see animal husbandry. We uh, see uh, Cain's family being able to raise livestock, understand livestock, getting the best out of livestock. And, uh, and, and, uh, and so that was a huge benefit to society. In verse 21, we see music introduced. We see the arts and uh, musical instruments and uh, how we as um, human beings today appreciate those who have, are skilled in with music and are able to lead us in worship. And uh, music is so important. It was important back then. Uh, in in uh, the original family, and it is important today. And then we see the craft of uh, metal in verse 22, and the ability to to uh, produce tools that will benefit humanity in subduing the earth and doing what's necessary to make life easier. Church, these are all gifts of God. And they had those people who um, learn these crafts and they learn these crafts quickly 
God gave them this ability, and they perfected that craft uh, over uh, the centuries. I mean, these people lived a long time. And uh, how many of you appreciate being able to perfect a skill, perfect a craft? Well, these people had that same opportunity, but for hundreds of years were they able to perfect that that craft, that skill. You know, I took my uh, grandson, Logan, to a uh, robotics scrimmage in Bakersfield a week ago last Saturday. And uh, this was the first uh, scrimmage for uh, all these robotic teams. And the purpose of the scrimmage is to just kind of help teams understand, get a feel for how their robot robot is doing, what they've created, and uh, how they compare to uh, others in the field. And uh, there are three different levels, but I think they all compete against each other. But uh, you have first-year robotic students, second-year robotic students, and third-year robotic students. And uh, I was interested in watching the seniors of this uh, of the Burroughs robotics team. They were just uh, they were wiping out the field. Uh, you know, they had perfected their bot robotic. I mean, it was rather impressive what their robot could do. I mean, there were little motors on every hinge of that robot. It was it was crazy what they were able to accomplish. And I looked at Logan and I said, Logan, you know, how come your robot can't do those things? He said, we've been working on ours for three months. They've been working on theirs for three years. <laughs> and they were dominating. Well, that's what's happening in Cain's family here as these cities are being built. These, these people are amazing. I mean, they have strength beyond our own strength. I mean, they're able to live for, Adam lived for 930 years. I mean, they didn't have disease. Their bodies weren't falling apart like ours do after uh, 40 or 50 years. Yeah, here I am, 61 years old. You know where I was last year at this time? I was in the hospital <laughs> with a blood clot in my lung. That wasn't going on with this family here in Genesis chapter 4. And so they were perfecting their craft, and God was doing amazing things and this is in, and this is Lamech's family. And so this is in spite of Lamech's lifestyle, of his uh, polygamy. God is continuing to pour out his grace upon this family that will benefit all people. 
That's God's common grace. And we can't confuse it with God's saving grace. You know, some people think that, uh, well, because God is blessing my life and doing all these things that, uh, you know, God's just blessing me that I must be his child. Don't confuse that. God has the ability to bless everyone. But this common grace does not lead a person to salvation. It's only God's saving grace where we understand what Christ has done in our lives. This is the most important thing that we come to faith in him. That's where Abel was at. But Cain killed Abel. And so now we see Cain's family and as we read the the text we don't there is no indication here that anyone is a believer they're all walking in the way of Cain but the reason why people can do the amazing things that they do is God's common grace and the fact that we are all created in the image of God All people have the ability to do good things that will benefit others. In spite of where they're at in their relationship with the the Lord, God is using unbelievers to make life better in his creation. I'm reminded of... uh, the lady, she was uh, kind of a, uh, she was a, she was a charismatic, and every morning she would come outside her house, kind of like a rooster crows, and would, she would say, look up and say, praise the Lord, he's given me another day to live, I love you, Lord Jesus, every morning she would do that, and then one day an atheist moved next door to this lady and she continued to do this and this was just driving this atheist crazy and so one morning she came outdoors and said lord jesus i have no food i am hungry but i praise you lord jesus the atheist heard that And uh, he was going to prove to this lady that there was no God. And so he went out to the grocery store and he bought her uh, two big bags of groceries and put them at her doorstep. And the next morning she came out and she looked at those groceries and said, Lord Jesus, I praise you. You have heard my prayer and met my need. And at just that moment, the atheist popped out and said, Ha! That wasn't God! That was me! I bought you those groceries. And the lady looked at her groceries, and she looked at her neighbor, and she said, Lord Jesus, I praise you. You provided for my needs, and you used the devil to do it. (laughs) God is working through unbelievers. In church, we need to be careful. We can't pass judgment 
on the unbelieving community. Just because they're entrenched in secular culture. God wants us to be his witnesses unto them. He wants us to love them and be that light that shines through us of Christ's message to them and what he's done for them. And so here Lamech is. He's a polygamist. Not only is he a polygamist, but he disdains the value of life. Verses uh, 23 and 24, Lamech boasts about the fact that he has killed someone else. And he's proud. And he's arrogant. And he compares what he did to Cain. And God told Cain, if someone seeks revenge on you, may uh, my wrath be upon him sevenfold, the Bible says. But when Lamech is looking at what he said, he has done, he's arrogant, he's arrogant and he says, may it be 77-fold if people seek revenge upon me. Lamech um, is, is a picture of one who has completely rejected God. He is... He is a reprobate. He has, God has turned his mind over to himself. And he's totally going his own way. That's not where Adam and Eve were at. When Adam and Eve uh, sinned against God, they were immediately um, aware of their guilt and their shame, and they tried to cover that. In the Bible, we looked at that a couple weeks ago where Cain or Adam and Eve repented. They began to believe God's words again, that Eve was going to be the mother of the living. And Adam named his wife Eve based on what God had promised to do through Eve's seed. Lamech's not there. Lamech has worked past his sin long and hard in defiance of God. You know, that's what, that's what people do who totally reject God. They love to parade their sinfulness. And the media likes to make a big deal of their lifestyle. And the media wants to take their lifestyle and cram it down our throats. And we're appalled at that. And God has turned those people over to their reprobate minds, Romans chapter 1. But what does God say in Romans chapter 2? Romans chapter 2 says, as believers in Christ, we can't judge them. 
if we begin to judge them, it's like we should be judged as well because we're sinners also. And so if you're in a life group this week, you're going to be looking at uh, Romans chapter 2 and uh, how God wants us to um, conduct ourselves before sinful people. So this is the life of Cain. Again, I want you to see that even though these people did not know God, they did not believe in God, God continued to work through them. God continued to love them. People did good things, and this was God's grace working in their life to, for, to uh, improve life for all humanity. And God is doing the very same thing today. And we need to thank God for that. We, we need to thank those who are doing wonderful things for humanity. But again, Cain's family did not know God. But praise God, the chapter doesn't end there. We still have verses 25 and 26. Let me read Genesis 4, 25 and 26. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. And she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Seth replaced Abel. We see what secular culture looks like through Cain's family, the way of Cain. But through Seth's line, we're going to see sacred culture. It's through Seth's family that people begin to call upon the name of the Lord again. Call upon Yahweh, our covenant maker, our covenant keeper, our personal, intimate God. He's not just created God. He is Lord. He is Yahweh. And these are the people who call upon the name of the Lord. And it's first mentioned among Seth again. And so Craig will take us through the line of Seth next Sunday in Genesis chapter 5. But my question to you today is what line are you in? Are you in Cain's line or Seth's line? Are you part of the secular culture or are you part of the sacred culture? The sacred culture knows the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Some of you here love what's happening in secular culture. Secular culture, that's the popular crowd. That's the crowd that's doing fun things. That's the crowd that's doing amazing things. And we listen to them and we see the good things that are God are that are that God is doing through some people. And we think to ourselves, gosh, they're not that bad. Surely God wouldn't send them to hell. Don't be confused. Don't be deceived. It's not man's goodness that gets them to heaven. It's the cross. It's about humbling yourself and realizing that sin separates you from God and that you need forgiveness of sin and you need a Savior in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to heaven. If man could get to heaven simply by the good things that they're doing, and we know a lot of good people, don't we, that don't know Jesus. Their goodness is never going to get them there, the Bible says. They need Christ. And don't be deceived. Don't get caught up in their lostness. Don't join the secular culture. Be part of the sacred. Those who call upon the name of the Lord. Because God will bless your life too. But not only in this life, (laughs) but in the life to come. I mean, this life is only temporary. Without Christ, oh, you're going to spend eternity, but eternity separated from God in hell. But Jesus died because he didn't want you to go there. And if you'll just believe, God will change your life. You won't have to be a Lamech. You won't have to be a king. God will make you a Seth. And God will work amazingly in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, that in spite of our sinfulness, God, you still pursue us, you love us, your common grace is working in and through and around us and we're grateful. God, I'm, I'm grateful for a doctor that who's a seeker. He doesn't know you personally, but God, you're working in his life. You've given him the, the knowledge to work on esophageal cancer and remove it from my esophagus. I thank you for my doctor. 
God, it's my desire to see him come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us as your people to be your witnesses. God, it's through your kindness that you are wooing lost people to yourself. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. God, you want to use us in wooing the loss to yourself. So Jesus, help us to love the lost. Help us to be salt and light to the loss. It's not enough just to be nice to them. God, you want us to tell the truth as well in love. So help us. Encourage those who are in this part today. Thank you for this opportunity we've, we've had to worship you and to learn more from your word. Use us, Lord, to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.